Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Daf Shavua. Seches Yivamos as we stu- study Daf Kuf Yud Zayin One Seventeen. We're getting close to the end of Seches Yivamos. Bezras Hashem. Very interesting Daf. I want to just say something about the Mishnah from the previous Amud. I mentioned this very briefly in last week's year. We really see Hillel, Beis Hillel, uh, adjusting to the opinion of Beis Shammai. It's really. Uh, Incredible, you know. It's not like Beis Hillel was always the more lenient one, but I think the chiddush that you see over here is the openness of Beis Hillel to the view of Beis Shammai, and the specific context which gets us into the beginning of our Gemara is something we've been discussing the last few weeks: is how connected the Ksuba is to the marriage, and therefore the conclusion of Beis Shammai that if we're going to allow eight echot, we're going to allow this woman to establish the fact that she is not married anymore, that the husband has died, in order to prevent aguna, that we're not just worried about the aguna issue, we also care about the mamanus issue, and therefore she's able to collect the ksuba. So the two are very much connected. Now, we have to keep in mind, which is a discussion that is somewhat outside of our discussion, but it comes up here as well when we talk about the nakala. Just because something is dealing with money doesn't necessarily mean that it's categorized as a dine mominus. Uh, inheritance in general is considered to be not only dine mominus, but also uh, isravahetar. There are practical differences between the two. If something is going to be purely dine mominus, then we're going to say, for example, dine makusadina, the law of the land is the law. But once you're in the realm of Isser and Heter, then you're going to have to rely on what the Chachamim say, not exclusively what the law of the land is. Now, sometimes there's going to be, I wouldn't say confusion, but there's going to be different ways to look at it. Uh, One of the examples is leaving, to make it practical, is a will. So, you know, according to Jewish law, the husband, the the older child, um, if it's a son, he gets pishnayim. So we encourage today something called the shtar chatzi zachar. This way, it's a uh, way, I guess, to get around the halachas as established in the Torah, but it's uh, done with Bishus Chachamim. We have today Shtar Chatzi Zachar. You can find it on RCA, the form that I believe Rabbi Willig put together. It makes sure not only that the older son gets uh, does not get more than the others, but also that the woman, that if there are any girls, they get um, the same amount. You know, this prevents a lot of Shalom Bias issues that uh, come up. Not all Shalom Bias issues, because unfortunately we see an inheritance many shalom bias issues having nothing to do with Torah law. If it was purely dine mominus, you could just write a regular will. You wouldn't have to add a, a shtar chatzi zachar. And there are those postcards that say that's enough, that you follow dine machusadina, but we also look at it as iser. So that's just an example. The question is, you know, where the ksuba fits in. The ksuba, obviously, is dealing with dine mominus, but it's not discussed in Choshen uh, Mishpat. It's part of Evan Ezer because we see, and this is really the opinion that is being made very strongly by Shammai, that it's very much connected into 
the status of the marriage, which of course is Isr Vahetir. Now the Gemara gives a qualifier to this, where the woman comes and she says, you know, my husband died, I want the ksuva. Because there she's making very clear that her intention is the ksuba. Remember, the reason we explained earlier on that we're going to be flexible is because she had a, she would be concerned the husband's going to come back and then she's really messed up. But by expressing from the outset that her main concern is not the being the aguna, aguna, but it's the ksuba, then in that situation we're not going to rely on one adus, on one witness. We're not going to rely on her. It's true that there is an aguna element over here, but that's not what's dominant on her mind, clearly by the way she is formulating it. I would say practically that, you know, she has to be advised properly. You know, we're not trying to set her up for a disaster, but she has to make sure to know how to approach the Bezda. I wanted to bring up an interesting discussion in the Achronim. You know, we have the next Mishnah, the uh, five women including a mother-in-law and a stepdaughter, people who we're not going to believe to say that uh, this woman's husband has died because, you know, we think there's some bad will between these women and uh, the married woman. They want to get rid of the marriage. So the question is whether this applies, Bizman Hazat, or not. The Chassam Sofa raises the possibility that today everybody gets along we don't necessarily see the same fighting between families, so we're not going to have the same uh, azus. We're not going to have the same concerns, so maybe the one woman should be believed. Now, the bottom line is, it's not so clear. I mean, this is what the Chassam Sofer says. It's almost a tefillah. There's a very good uh, discussion post uh, Tishabov when I'm recording this that, uh, no. The human nature today also is that you see the fighting. You know, you have fighting with mother-in-laws, with daughter-in-laws, with other parties. It's not that we want this to happen, but it's the reality. Maybe it's a psychological reality. You know, the denial that someone from the family or someone from outside the family is taking your child. You always think the grass is greener on the other side. So while we do have Eidecha, Neman, in order to free up a woman in order not to be an aguna, it's going to depend not only on the strength of the testimony, which is what we discussed earlier. What's going on is, was the shalom between them? Was the shalom in the world? But we also have to look from whose mouth that it's coming. The Gemara says this is not the same with a get. You could have one of these women deliver a get because the get is written down and you have witnesses. So it's the get that's talking. But when you have individuals that are talking, we have to look at uh, who those people are and how they are related. I mean, it's an interesting, I was thinking about this when you're learning the Gemara, that in Masada Kedushin, he asks a lot of questions by the wedding to make sure that um, there's no Krovim, right? That there's no Krovim, which knocks you out of Aegis. Here's a little bit of a play on the, in the same, it's not the same halacha, but you want to make sure who they are. And you could see confusion coming about. If a Bezdin doesn't know the individuals, doesn't know that this is the mother-in-law, doesn't know that it's the Tsarasa, if the, the, the potential Yavama, whatever the five cases are that we saw spelled out in the Mishnah, 
the uh, stepdaughter, then you're going to end up with a big problem. So the source of the edus is very important. And this is going to be, I assume the halacha is, even if the woman who's the subject over here, she says, I, I get along beautifully with my mother-in-law. I get along beautifully with my sister-in-law. So bottom line is these people are excluded from the category of nemanus, of believability in this situation. Very fascinating, Chashuk Echemet. This is, uh, I'm not going to tell you this is Paschaling Halacha Lamaisa, but here's the question. Sheila Isha Sadiq of Chasuda, you have a very pious woman, and her husband, they're married. The husband's still interested in uh, learning. So he says, let's live at my mother's house. You're not going to have to raise the kids on your own. I'm a guest. guest uh, uh, it seems like the man's not going to be around so much. So you have the mother-in-law helping. Now, there's never a problem, of course, for grandparents to help with the kids sometimes. But this is a permanent situation. Now, why is somebody asking this question to a Rav? So if you know Gemara and you know this Gemara, then it's going to be a very relevant question. And an incredibly relevant question as we see the way Rav Zilberstein deals with it. So he says, and I'm reading a little bit more just so you appreciate how it's coming from our Gemara. So he says, Stadi Hasafik. You always, uh, when you're in doubt about something, you want to be able to analyze both sides. Everyone is able, is uh, trusted to testify, to help this woman, at least what we would consider to help the woman that her husband died, except for the mother-in-law, because we're concerned, as we pointed out, that the mother-in-law has an issue with her. He quotes from Rashi, I didn't mention the Rashi inside, because it's possible that the mother-in-law's intention is to damage the daughter-in-law because the mother-in-law hates her. I mean, this is amazing. These these mother-in-law issues are old issues. So how does this turn into this question? If if this seems to be the nature of the mother-in-law-daughter-in-law relationship is uh, an antagonistic one, then you're going to create a situation where shalom bias is not extant, where it's not a reality. I wouldn't necessarily give this uh, Rav Zilberstein as a drusha, but I'm just telling you, I'm not making any of this up. Me'idach, on the other side, because we want to get to the second side of the suffolk, let's assume that the kala, the daughter-in-law, is a very pious person, and let's assume, I guess, the piety is with the mother-in-law as well. They get along, that they love each other, they're very close. So the answer that he gives is not the way I would have gone, but uh, you have to listen to this. So he raises the question 
that I raised of, let's say it's a situation where we know that the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law get along beautifully. So this is where Baruch Shekivanti, I came up with the same analysis. He quotes from the Otra Poskim, who says at the end of the day, we're not going to believe her. Because believe. it could be that there is hatred that is uh, in the heart. You know, you could have said it's just a chazaka, that's the way it is, but it's possible that there really is sinna. And then he quotes for the Chassam Sofer that we mentioned in Simon Memtes, that there's a problem. Then he quotes from a Pnei Yeshua, Achelik Basim and Lama Dalit. This is all in the Rav Zilberstein, Kasav Dafila Chasidah Shabakula and Lomehemna, who says straight out, even a very pious woman is not going to be believed, um, which means whether it's the daughter-in-law or the mother-in-law. So the mother-in-law is X'd out from being able to give the testimony. Because we're concerned that there is hatred there, and even though the Pnei Yeshua says Jewish people don't lie, but sinna mikalkelas is hadover. Doesn't use that exact language, but that's basically what he means. It's possible. Okay, so what happens? So Rav Zilberstein says lefiza einzu eitzatova. He doesn't think it's a good idea. Shekala tagar liyad chamosa limroshehi chasuda. Even though we're dealing with wonderful people, even though we see that there are times where they live together and the children are being raised, and there is the Shechina dwelling there, right? The Shechina dwells where there's peace in the house. He says that's only where the mother-in-law, Shani Hasam de Chamos Almana, that's where the mother-in-law is an Almana, is a widow. So she's alone. And there's no way else for her to really survive. He says in that situation, there's a greater good that is taking place. And we're not concerned that the mother-in-law is going to be resentful, that this daughter-in-law has taken away her prince because she realizes how much the daughter-in-law is actually uh, doing for her. So he leaves it as a uh, suffolk when really leaning towards keep it away. I would say you have another issue of uh, just built into marriage. We have the Torah tells us, you know, a person should leave, uh, a person's going to leave his mother and father, and and that, it's hard to sometimes have the devakas to develop that intimate personal relationship if you have the mother-in-law and the father-in-law that are hanging around. But uh, here's another entry point to this discussion. You know, I, I'd say every case is different. And is the Chashug Echemed really past getting Halach Lamaisa, or is he giving just uh, good Eitzah? But either way, good Eitzah is Eitzah that we should evaluate. Have a great week of learning.